Opinions unqualified. Sam, I'm super excited this week. Do you know how you know I'm excited? How do I know that you're excited? I'm wearing my Opinions Unqualified tee. We both are matching. Yeah, I know, we're matching because we've got a big star. Plus, I have my going out thongs on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so something we're going to talk about. I've got my flash thongs on because we've got a guy on the show who is so much more qualified than we are to do anything like this. Um, 37 years uh, radio broadcasting um, and probably a lot of other things which we'll dive into at some point. Um, very, very fortunate. I've known this gentleman for a long time. He's always been wonderful and kind to me and very happy to have him on the show. So Chris Easley, welcome to Opinions Unqualified. Well, I've got plenty of opinions and I can guarantee you they're absolutely unqualified. Pleasure to be here, gentlemen. <laughs> so thanks, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, first thing I wanted to, to, to uh, pretty much get off, off the rank is the thongs because... I've been thinking to myself, everyone's got going out shoes. So you've got your good pair of shoes that you only wear when you go out. So you go to a party um, or, you know, you're just heading out to town. You're trying to impress someone. I have going out thongs. Is that like a normal thing? Um, I wouldn't say I have going out thongs. I've got a pair of pluggers. Um, and maybe if I'm feeling fancy, I'll wear my Jesus sandals like I am today. But... Um yeah, I don't have going out thongs. Okay, Chris? Well, until tonight, I'd never heard of going out thongs. And I think it has something to do with, were I to try and go out in thongs somewhere, oh, these look all right, I don't think my wife would be that impressed. Yeah. So I've got to say, if we can establish as a fact that going out thongs exist, I'm going to be really happy because I can actually go back to Bernadette and say, look, these are going out thongs. And we might even get a pair that sort of, I don't know, you go to one of those fancy schmancy shops that I can never afford to go to, like that, what's that place, City Bridge? Yes. I'd walk in there and the first thing they go is, geez, the geriatrics just come into the store. <laughs> and then I'll say, can I have a pair of trendy thongs? And when they'd finish laughing at me, I might actually get a pair that look quite fancy. And I could say, those are my going out thongs. Yeah, I think I honestly think there's merit Good luck, to this. though. I don't think I'll get far with it. The yeah. wife will say, no, you're not going out dressed <laughs> like that. Well, I think if you've got like, pluggers on, yeah, and you're going out with the lads. Well, I think I think it's a. But if you're going out with your wife, you should probably put in like enclosed shoes and. You know what it is. You look in the cupboard and you see how many shoes they've got. Yeah. And you go, oh god, I've got to go out dress. I mean, what what is it? Make good shoes, work shoes, a pair of gym shoes, a pair of golf shoes, and a pair of thongs. Five shoes. Right, I'm covered. Mm. There is no woman on the face of this earth who'd be covered with five shoes. It just wouldn't happen. I'm actually quite embarrassed because I have more shoes than my wife has. Really? I do. Wow. Yeah, I've got more. But I did do a real... A Let me guess clean. you're a hoarder. You never throw anything away. I am a little bit like that. Okay. But I did throw recently, like two weeks ago, I did a, a massive clean and got rid of heaps of shoes. Yep. Yeah, I've probably got like... Oh, I've got three shoes that I can wear out, yeah, like casual shoes. Yeah, that's okay. Three, yep. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a pair of basketball shoes. Yeah. That's okay. Four. Um, and then I've got a pair of runners that have got no soles on them though. So like I've worn those shoes in quite well. So I don't know whether you can still classify them as shoes. Well, let's call them half a shoe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've yeah. you got four and a half shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you have your, but, but you've got multiple pairs of, so you've got your pluggers and your Jesus sandals. Yeah. So I think that's... Yeah, yeah, the, no, the Jesus sandals have got a... They're still shoes. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, they might be a bit different, but they're still shoes. Yeah, they're shoes. Yeah. Yeah, they're not pluggers, like they're six. shoes. It's like six. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I not think too it's bad. Not too bad. Anyway, so very, very happy to have Chris here. Well, what we wanted to dive into first was definitely um, radio. So we, we do a podcast. And what makes me think 
more than anything about radio at this point in time. Is it is it dead or alive? And you can probably answer that for us better than, than anyone because there's so much more media that you're able to sort of um, consume in other avenues like podcasts and Spotify and, you know, those sort of like music streaming um, yep. services. So is, is there still a, a vibrant radio um, platform, I guess, or is it, is it? Is there a capacity for it? I think the answer is yes, there is a capacity for it. Yep. Are the companies that operate radio stations smart enough to be able to identify and run with that? I'm not actually sure that the answer to that is yes. I suspect a bit of commercial reality at some time is going to ensure that that does happen. I have to make that decision at some point. If you look at, say for example, when we grew up, uh, listening to radio, which was usually your favourite top 40 station. In my case, it was in the late 1970s. <laughs> it, it was 6pm here in Perth. Yep. That was the hip and happening radio station, played all the cool tunes, and that was the station you listened to. And all your friends listened to it as well. And if you wanted to hear the latest hits, that's the station you listened to. If you wanted the latest hits, given you couldn't afford most of them, you recorded off that station using your radio cassette player. Mm. Now, all of that's gone by the wayside. And if you look, certainly at anyone under 30, musically speaking, they're not what I would call a radio audience. And that's going to be the challenge going into the future. If you say, for example, I've got a 20-year-old, he, his mates, and everyone they knock around with don't listen to radio. They just don't listen to it. They're online. They're on YouTube. They're on Spotify. Mm. You know, They're on any one of a number of those platforms. And the reason being... Radio doesn't offer them something to give them an incentive to listen. Yeah. Now, in the days, like, for example, when FM radio first came out, we're going to play 30 minutes non-stop music. Oh, wow, listen, 30 minutes and nobody's going to say a word. Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, but now, why would you listen to 30 minutes of non-stop music picked by somebody else when you could listen to 30 minutes of non-stop music picked by yourself yeah. on Spotify? So what they're going to have to do is come up with something that they can offer people, and yes, music will be a part of that, there is no question about that, but they're going to have to come up with something that people can get from radio that they can't get from Spotify. Mm. That's going to be the trick. If it's something they can get from online streaming, that's what they're going to take. So whether they're going to come up with something, whether they're going to be able to come up with something, they're going to have to. In Certainly in the medium term, uh, vehicles like talk radio will be fine as long as that remains local and relevant. Yep. That, that will be fine because that is something you can't Spotify. That is something you can't do in the online world yet. I mean, somebody may well come up with a way that you can do that, but generally speaking, that doesn't happen now. But in terms of your, what you'd term your hit music station aimed at a youth market, they've got serious problems yep. because their audience at best is smaller and diminishing and they are going to have to work out a way to attract the audience. If they don't, then I think the industry is going to go the way of the dodo bird. They really have a great challenge ahead of them, guys. There is no doubt about that. And the challenge is going to be offering people, if they tune into a radio station, something they cannot get from online streams. And I think part of the problem is, and this is just my opinion, in yep. more modern times, people like myself, we train to be broadcasters. Yep. A lot of people now have become broadcasters because they were prepared to go on some reality show and make a goose of themselves. Yep. They find themselves being broadcasters, oh, I'm a good stand-up comedian. And as I tried to explain to some people, and I've got to say, I have attracted a lot of criticism for saying this, 
Making a hundred pissed patrons in a pub laugh does not equate to radio talent. Yep. I know a lot of people think it does, but I can tell you right now, the evidence to the contrary is overwhelming. And that is one of the problems they're going to face. They're actually going to have to go back to professional people. If you look at, for example, some of the records that were set in Perth Radio, um, by the likes of, say, for example, Gary Shannon, mm. Paul Redman and Mandy Walsh, who were the original PMFM 92.9 morning crew, yep. you had... First and foremost, you had a highly skilled broadcaster in Gary Shannon. Right, he made the whole thing happen. He knew what the others needed to do to make it work, and he basically was their full-time coach. Mandy Walsh had a pretty solid radio background, and Paul Redman had come from an entertainment-based background, and he certainly had the personality for the job that was done. So they were three people who were well-selected and who were skilled in their craft. And sometimes what you get, you look at somebody and go, gee, isn't he funny? Well, he might be funny. And he might be funny in a pub when people get to see the actions he's doing and they're half pissed and they don't really care anyway. That's vastly different to getting somebody on the air who's actually going to have to build a picture, who's going to have to tell a story. And it's a skill because if I tell you a story on air, your mind is building the picture. Yep. Right? And your version and how you see that's different to somebody else. And that's what makes the magic. And it does take a certain skill for people to be able to do that. Yep. And I think looking at somebody and saying, gee, he was prepared to uh, walk around without his underpants on in some reality show. Someone somewhere thinks that equates to radio talent. No, it doesn't. He's a bloke who's vain enough to walk around without his underpants on. It doesn't mean he's got any specific talent. And I think this is one of the problems that the industry in more modern times hasn't realised. We are in my opinion anyway, going to have to go back to a time when people are trained up to become skilled broadcasters. And arguably, we need that now more than ever because broadcasters are going to have to offer what people cannot get from streaming services because pretty well now, it's anyone under 30 is not a radio listener. Yep. General. Yeah. I mean, that's and not... Yeah, Sam's, that's Sam's in that demographic. Yeah, yeah, that's, so. that's, not yep. an, that's not an absolute, yep. but it, it's, it's a pretty general application. Yep. Right? People over 30 were what I call part of a radio generation, which was multiple generation, yep. but people who are radio listeners. We're having that conversation now in 2021. In 2031, that'll be anyone under 40, mm. right? In 2041, that'll be anyone under 50, yep. right? So you can see how this could end up eating itself. Yep. So I would say the next 10 years is going to be the big challenge, and the big challenge is going to be for a lot of people, and don't forget also the dynamics of people who own radio companies have changed. The days of the Kerry Packers, for example. Now, Kerry Packer understood the media. He understood what was needed to make it work. And he understood that if he produced a product that people liked to consume, he would make money. Mm. He understood that. He still expected people to make money. He was still a business person. But he understood what made the industry tick and what he needed to do as an owner to make it tick. Yep. Nowadays, the people who own broadcasting companies, as much as anything, are our superannuation funds. Mm. Right? They have no investment in the industry. The other people who own it, capital venture vultures. Right? They're in there for five minutes. They're like a crow feeding on a carcass. They're hanging around for as long as there's some meat for it, and as soon as the meat's gone, they're gone. Yeah. Right? And they want to sell it to the next person for an inflated price. They've taken their meat. The person who, who then subsequently pays is overpaid for it. They want their return. And so we have this slash, burn, cut, gut and shut mentality. That's just not going to cut it. I mean, here in Perth, we're listening to programs 
on radio stations that listeners cannot participate in because they were created three hours ago in the summer yep. in the eastern states. Those programs have gone off air before they're played on air here in Perth. That cannot continue. Otherwise, it just simply becomes irrelevant. And I find that with, um, obviously, Triple J. And Triple J's been like that since it's been out, been out here. So, yeah. you know, they nine o'clock in, in Melbourne, three hours before, right now, three yep. hours before we, we start. And, yeah. and then, like any of the competitions, anything they run, it's sort of like, well, you're in Perth. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no chance that you're going to be involved. And I think yeah. probably the only way that I think the radio survives is, is interaction with the, the public getting the ability to people like talk shows, I think there is a place for talk shows because it gives people the opportunity to get on and talk. But and they have to be live. Opinions. They have to be live. So yeah. now even the ABC yeah. in Perth have recognised that because yeah. their night shows they take live. Yeah. Trade-off is they finish at 2 o'clock in the morning at the moment. Yeah. So they then have to fill that three hours until 5 o'clock. With the Beatles. <laughs> well, actually, you know, yeah, the Beatles are fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's going to complain about the Beatles. Yeah, but exactly. that, that, that's a real challenge that, that, that they face. And they say, oh, but this is you know, some XYZ, some superstar. But in Perth, who cares? Mm. There was a quote from a fella. He, his name was John Burnley. And he came over. He'd been part of... In, this was in the 1970s. It was quoted in a book. It's called Hits and Memories of Australian Radio. It was written by a fella called Wayne Mack, who's really knowledgeable. And he observed something that John Burnley said. John Burnley had worked at 2SM in Sydney. 2SM was a juggernaut. It was bigger than 10 dancing bears. And he came over to Perth to be the program manager at 6pm. And he said, three days after I got to Perth, I realised it didn't matter what I'd been a part of in Sydney because it counted for nothing in Mm. Perth. And I think, unfortunately, I've used this argument before. I call it the metaphorical Perth Radio Cemetery. It's full of the bodies of people from the East who came to Perth to tell Perth how to do radio and failed. And that's never changed. In fact, I would argue now it's more essential than ever. If we want to get young people listening to radio, terrestrial radio in the sense that we think of it, it has to offer them something that they don't get from Spotify. Mate, for music, I love my Spotify. Yeah. So if I'm going to listen to music, I want to hear something that says, I'm going to give you more than you can get from your Spotify. And the one or two songs that we play that may not be favourites of yours, you still know them and you can still live with them. Yeah. That's got to be the key. But you can't have a, a music component anymore yeah. because when it comes to you know 100 non-stop hits, you can't compete with Spotify for that. Why? Because individuals can customise it to their own requirements. And I agree. And I don't think radio is the only industry like that. I know the industry I've been in for years, which is the basketball industry. Yeah. People from over east come over and feel like they can they can change change the landscape and particularly at a state level. But the way the state's built, just how yeah. widespread we are and you know, it's it's not something that you can come in and, and take another uh, format that's worked in, in yeah. different cities or do, different states. Do they get the West... The thing is, they don't get the West Australian parochialism. Mm. I'll give an example. We had a traffic report and actually phoned the radio station and complained about it. It was obvious that the traffic report was done in the East. And they talked about some congestion on Hodges Drive in June Dallup. <laughs> right. right, OK. So I phoned them up and I said... Um, doesn't anybody listen to this before it goes to him? Do they just drop it in the computer? Yeah. Why? What are you talking about? Well, you've just said June Dallup. 
which means you've just alienated successfully about 130,000 people. Mm. Why doesn't... So, how hard is it for somebody to listen? Yeah. How hard is it for somebody to give a pronunciation guide that you can send to these geese in the East and say, this is how you say it? You know, I mean, it's like, for example, if you're talking in the East, you wouldn't say Derby, you'd say Derby. But you come to WA, you say Derby. Yeah. And let's have a look at the other one that's just wonderful, Albany. Yeah, Albany. Down yeah. Albany <laughs> Highway. No, it's Albany, you moose twit. And, <laughs> and the problem is, nobody, and, and what, what annoys me more is not so much that people make, because I can understand somebody who thinks of Albury. Mm. I mean, we don't, don't call it Albury. Yeah. We call it Albury. I can understand how somebody would make that mistake from yeah. the East. What I don't understand is how there isn't somebody here checking it. Yeah. We still have this with commercials. Yeah. Subiaco. And what drives me nuts about Subiaco is sometimes those advertisements have come from Melbourne. Didn't you pay any attention all the years we played football at Subiaco Oval? <laughs> no, we didn't. I <laughs> bet again, it's that, that East Coast centric. Um, but everything's East Coast centric in Australia. It's like you're in the Perth and they call us wait a while and it's like they don't even care. You talk to someone from the East Coast and it's like, well, you're only from WA. Yeah, well, we are. I guess because we're so isolated, isn't it? So we're just forgotten. Oh, it's, out of, it's out of sight, out of mind. The yeah. other problem is, which nobody ever likes to talk about, is we just don't have the population. Yeah, population. Yeah. If we had, and we could quite easily, if we had eight or ten million people here, they'd pay attention then, because we'd have a whole lot more political clout. There would be a whole lot more people here. Would be like the United States, where yep. we would actually provide a lot of these services ourselves, as they do. Our services in the US are often provided either out of New York or out of Los Angeles. Well, if we put ourselves in the position where we were effectively Los Angeles, let's say mm. our population was within 10% of Sydney's, and yep. if you look at the fact that you've got Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland running up the East Coast, if we had an equivalent population of those areas combined, all of a the sudden there'd be a completely different attitude. Yep. But we're isolated, we're large, but have a very, very small population. population. Yep. We're going to move on. Yeah. Um, but thank you. That insight was fantastic. I really, really appreciate your opinion. That's definitely a qualified opinion. That was, yeah, wasn't unqualified. Um, our opinions are completely unqualified. I've got, I've got no idea yeah. about radio. But mind you, if, if you're a listener or you're not a listener, your opinion is still qualified. Because if you don't listen, mm. right, then the industry's got a problem. So what do they do? They should be talking to people like yourself and saying, well, okay, what do you listen to? What don't you listen to? Why? And look, like a lot of things, I suspect a lot of people, especially nowadays, in a myriad of different areas, they ask questions, yep. but they don't like when you get the answer. Like there was a survey company, um, YouGov. Yep. They're asking for people to participate in their surveys. I thought, oh yeah, this would be interesting. I'll put my hand up. Yeah, yeah. And I gave extremely accurate answers to whatever surveys I did. I really thought about it. And within about three months, they stopped sending me surveys. Because you see, I wasn't giving them the kind of answers they were looking for yeah yeah again this it's yeah it's you can always it's like when you're in a in, in any sort of interview or meeting and then the guy comes out with the stats yeah because they can manipulate the stats to whatever whatever they want mm. you can change you can get specific stats that are correct but you need you only grab the stats that sell the story you want them to sell yeah but yeah. can i give you an example let's say you take us down to the barrack street jetty and go mm. watch this right? and you walk on water from Barrett Street Jetty all the way over to Men's Street in South Perth and walk back. 
Sam in his sandals. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, now there's where you're thinking. <laughs> so you say, I walk on water. Yeah. I say, you can't swim. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's all about the interpretation. They say, what are you talking about? He walked on water. Yeah, but he can't swim. Yeah. Well, he didn't swim, did he? He was in the water, but he didn't swim. He can't swim. And you start, no, 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 no. He walks on water like Jesus. No, he can't <laughs> swim. <laughs> because it's all about the interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Talking about interpretation, yeah. Sam, and you would be an expert in this, actually, because you're an average man. Um, <laughs> can an average man be a model? Uh, I'm not sure about this, Nixie. Um, I, I am pushing for it, though. Um, I've seen, uh, well, you, there's a lot of um, posts on, on social media these days. Um, and I'm all for inclusivity. Yep. I don't know if I pronounce that right, but that's the word that I'm trying to say. The way you pronounce it, the way you pronounce um, it, man. And it, which is good. But I feel that... You do know the short answer to this, don't you? The short answer is yes. No, the short answer is no. No, it's yes. No. An average man can be a model. No, they can't. Yeah, well, you look at... Who's going to give them work? I um, mean, mate, I'm an average man. Look at me. Who wants to see me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you right now, the only person who wants to see me in the buff is someone who's got a fat fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. But what, what I'm saying is if you're... Because I'm seeing it all the time. Like Kmart catalogs, Target catalogs, they're moving towards the average looking person because that's what most people are. So they don't necessarily want to have the, the skinny, fit... Um, model model type the traditional model anymore it's because people look at that and go I can't be that but they see an average person like I, but, I could look like I that but then that. you know what the message is if you buy the well, most of it was the dress if you buy the dress you'll look like that why do you think blokes do stupid things like go and buy, buy their wife some sort of sexy lingerie or edible undies or something like that and then wonder why she gets stroppy the reason why is because psychologically they think she's going to look like some gorgeous model in this lingerie, mm. right? Factually, she knows that isn't the case, <laughs> and, and and she hates you for it. Yeah, well, she does. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, 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 very careful with what I buy. No, I do not buy my wife clothes. It's no? one thing I don't do. No, no. I say, here is a gift voucher from wonderfulclothes.com. But if you think I'm going to buy, mate, the best I'll buy is lotto tickets. Yeah. Right, because you know. What you're buying. Buying clothes, that's just silly. Can the average man be a model? I say no. Because people don't want to look at the average bloke. You think of that. Chicks didn't look at average blokes like, oh, doesn't he look hot? Yeah, he does. Hasn't got any brains, but he looks hot. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how many chicks have ended up with blokes who were dumb as box of hammers? They go, oh, why are you with him? You know, the guy's, the guy's mute. He yeah. can't say anything. You know, he's an idiot. The last creative thought he had was when he went to the toilet. And that was after he wet his pants. And she, she'll go, yeah, but I love him. And it's like, oh, he looks good. Yes. You can wash, you can wash your shirt on his stomach, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what difference does that make? As a friend of mine you said, and he had a great contract, actually borrowed from the advertising industry. He, um, we, went to, um, we went to the 21st of someone who's had, I won't mention who it is because it's probably not appropriate to do so, yeah. but someone who's quite well known. It was her sister's 21st and we got invited because we worked with her. Nice. And she was tied up, the sister that is, who's 21st it was, was tied up at Surf Life Stadium, right? There's all those sort of people. And Andrew, the guy I was with, he looked like he'd stepped out of the lead role of Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. But had an amazing ability 
to Paul Chicks. Yeah. And we go in, I said, geez, this is going to be a bit lean. Look at all these bronze, bronzy surfer types. And he looked at me and he said, all meat and no potatoes, follow my lead. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, but I th- again, I think a lot of it is to do, when you're talking about, you know, interacting with, with it's more a confidence than anything else. And, and I honestly think it's more confidence than anything else. But don't you also agree there are some people who, if they reveal parts of their physical attributes, are more appealing than others? Oh, you agreed. Know? Yeah. I mean, you, if you've got some really nice looking girl, and she's got the, what do they call them, the leggings, things, the, you know, the stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah the gym, the gym yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If they've got that yeah. on, you think, gym gee, gee, she looks nice. Actively. Right? Actively. If you've then got Bertha Butt and her two sisters in that, you think to yourself, probably pull over, been. please, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> well, you, you know the same thing happens the other way. Oh, definitely. Right? definitely. Chicks look at us and go, oh, how gross is he? It's the same thing. And I think some of us have to be honest, you know. Was I ever going to be asked to enter Mr Universe? It was never going to happen. Doesn't mean I think it should be banned. Doesn't mean I don't feel mildly jealous of blokes like that who just have, all they have is a bit of brawn and everyone goes, oh, isn't he? Am I jealous of that? Yes. But nowadays, it's a moot point, you know, because I'm sort of, I learnt at the high school reunion that that stuff just doesn't matter. Because the girl who was the Queen Bee AAA rated Sweetheart, yeah. the ten babe. Yeah. Oh man, I've got to tell you, the years had not been kind. Mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and me looked at each other and said, "We're going to church on Sunday." There's a God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like. There's a little karma there. There was another bloke who was, he thought he was the big stud. Right, he's about four times the size I was. He had, I don't know, something shiny where his hair once was. He thought he was. He'd always thought he was it in a bit, and you take one look at him and think. You can't be bald bashing here. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, you weren't like that when you were younger. You no. see, that's the difference. He was. He thought he was really good. Yeah. And you look at him now and thought, hmm. You know, I actually think if there's if there's a God, he's, he's into practical jokes. He'd looked at someone like that and said, wait 15 years, son. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll get you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going with the point that I think average can be a model. I'm I don't know how successful they'll be as a model. I might go get some... Maybe we should all get some modelling shots done and see whether any of us can pick up a bit of... Um, all right. A bit of part-time work. Let's do side. it as a challenge. All right. I think the Sean Tan's going to win this. We but can, I think, yeah, I think no, we do yeah. it. If Chris is involved, I'll have to... No, no we, can, we, can do, we, can, we can do this so we can also start our own website. Yeah, really? yeah. We can, yeah. at the average man modeling company. <laughs> no, 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 no. Start our own agency. <laughs> You've got to make things trendy. So I reckon our website should be grossiscool.com. Grossiscool.com. Grosses in. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a website that's grossiscool.com. So we've got to do something that actually makes it trendy. Yeah. I mean, don't forget in Revenge of the Nerds, when she doesn't know she's bonking the nerd yeah when he's like Darth Vader he's, yeah. he's, he's got his Darth Vader helmet on yeah. she actually decides that he's the best she's ever had yeah. right because she didn't get to see him first she just got to see what he was doing and what he was all about so it was the experience that's right the business yeah, yeah. yes um, yeah so um, oh, let's do that Sam let's get some professional <laughs> modelling shots done and Sean, we'll Sean's advertise iPhone, them. Sean's yeah. iPhone counts as a professional yeah. uh, camera. Oh, I've got no, I've, I've got some photographer <laughs> oh, photo, okay. photographer friends that will do it for All us. Right. And I think they'll do it contra uh, for us. So we'll, we'll get that happening, and then uh, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. If it's not just a laugh, we'll <laughs> And if you want to know more about these when they pop up, they will be on pornhub.com <laughs> forward slash fetishes. Um, Gross is cool. <laughs> so, uh, Sam, you've been talking to me about this show for the last month and I haven't watched it, but Chris, thankfully, has watched some of it, so you can... Get yeah, this off I've, your chest, I've, brother. I finally found someone that um, that's come on the podcast that has at least watched more than one minute. Um, but Night Stalker. Yep. Um, you're going to tell, you're gonna have to tell true me what's crime, about. So it's true crime. Uh, 80s? 90s? I think it might have been the 70s. 70s. Yeah. Maybe 70s, yeah. 80s yeah. kind of. It was based out of Los Angeles. Yeah, Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. And they, they had a couple murders that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a particular type of person that was getting murdered, and there was a particular way that it was it was happening. And um, in other words, they put it together that these murders have been done by the same person. Yeah. yeah. And and it was in a small, like a concentrated area first, and then they found out that it started to branch a little bit mm. um, further in California. Okay. Was, yeah, the, it was. Um, pretty crazy. It was quite a. F- I think it ended up being about seventeen confirmed murders from the same from the, from same, the same person. person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's confirmed. And they even said like that's confirmed, but it could be prob- more. Well, well, they suspect there are yeah. more, but they've got no way of knowing. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And how many? How, is this like a, a mini series, docu series? Yeah, it's like the typical so, typical Netflix like docu yeah, crime. Yeah, it's a docu series, and it was yeah, it was pretty well put together actually, especially since it used a lot of archive footage. Yeah, it had to because it was it was from a long time ago. I just I think like because those retrospective type investigations, I guess, because the show's pretty much about the investigation. Yeah, yeah. generally they add extra pieces of information within the shows as well yeah, that too, maybe yeah. weren't available at the time of the trial or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Has this guy got tried and gone, actually gone to prison or like what happened in the end? Oh, what should we, should we, should we, uh, I'm not sure what happened to him. Should we say that? I think just in case someone wants to watch it. No, no don't say it. Don't, yeah. don't say it. It's uh, very, very but, interesting because remember it was also an investigation with what we now know with the limited technology of the time. Yeah. Sure, what they were applying then was cutting-edge technology. Yeah. But you look at it now and go, how'd they ever do that? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know, they didn't have DNA. No. They didn't have stuff like that, so... Yeah, it's incredible, though. Like I said, I, I am very, very, very sorry that I haven't watched it yet. It's all right, it's all right, but... Sorry. You, you, you have to be into docos. If you're not really into docos, if they're not really your scene, you're probably not going to watch it. Yeah. I do like docos, but at the moment the NBL Cup's on. So oh, I watch, okay. a, I watch yeah. a lot of basketball. True crime, though. True crime. Anytime Netflix puts on a new true crime doc, I reckon I've watched it within the week. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. Like, I really like watching that stuff. So there's two ways I can take that. I'm either really worried about you researching, or you just enjoy hey, it. Do you know who gets into most forensic and murder type stuff? Who? Women. Yeah. Yep, mm. they're the most prolific readers yep. of that kind of material in, you know, in printed form. Yeah. They are also the most prolific consumers of those kind of documentaries on television. Really? Yep. Wow. And, and some of the most prominent forensic scientists are women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. they do think differently. They find yeah. the details. Like the, when we're talking about looking for things, yeah, oh, like yeah. I'll go have a look and I can't see it and then my wife will go find it in a minute because she has a, a proper look. What they, call a, <laughs> what, what, what they call a woman's look. Yes. Can you imagine if you're doing that and you're having to investigate things down to microscopic detail? Yeah. yeah. Who would you argue, is better equipped to be able to do that? I'd say women are. Oh, women, definitely. Yeah. 100% better. But 
But I lose the tension like in two minutes. Yeah, that's called ADD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do realise if you were 12 now, they'd probably have you bouncing yeah. around on about five Ritlins a day. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. They do give you the kids Ritlins. <laughs> <laughs> then they hang on to them and sell them to their mates. Yeah. Oh, the kids do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, how good is this? It's something that the druggies of our era could only have dreamt of. The doctor legally prescribing you Schedule 8 drugs of addiction that you can then flog to your mates. Really, if you're a drug dealer, it doesn't get much better than that. Legally acquired medications that you can then on-sell at a gargantuan profit to your mates. Yeah, wow. You do hear that, um, that stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that as happening yeah. as well. I've probably seen it happen before. But no, nah, well. you need to watch Night Stalker. Yep. And then once you watch Night Stalker, watch the, the next one that they put out, which was, um, it's about the Cecil Hotel. I can't remember what the actual title of the thing is, but it's something, something at the Cecil Hotel. That's the one where they have the preview and the woman goes in and says, I would like a room that nobody has been murdered in, please. Yeah, oh, that's really? in uh, the preview. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's uh, when the new manager went to the hotel. She had a tour with the um, handyman there. And he was going, uh, someone's died in that room. Someone's died in that room. That's happened in that room. That's happened in that room. And she goes, is there, is there a room here that someone hasn't died in or something you know, serious has happened in? And the, the guy stopped and looked at her for a bit and was like, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to stay at that hotel. You know, I know when but I was in travel for all those years, I was really careful about putting people into certain hotels just because of the area that they were in and the fact that they could have been, particularly cities like Los Angeles and Chicago yeah. and New York, you've got to be really careful because like, one street off the main street yeah. could be like the worst really, street in the city. Really dodgy, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. this was on Skid Row. Yeah, well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a friend of mine told me a story once where they decided, and you, it was interesting. You mentioned it was Chicago, and they decided to jump off a bus, mm. and they were lucky because this bloke came up to them and said, "What are you people doing?" Yeah. Oh, we're just tourists. We're just here to have a look. And they said, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. And he said, he, "This fellow said I will walk with you down the end of the street where you can get another bus and get the hell out of here." And they're, well, what's this? It's all. Interesting, in Chicago, we want to see it. You know, maybe Al Capone fired a machine gun down this street or something. Mm. And he said he was walking past all these gangs of people and he said as he was walking past, he was going, they're cool, they're cool, they're cool. And he said, when we got halfway down the street, we realised if this bloke hadn't stepped in to help us, we probably, we certainly would have been mugged and we probably would have been killed. We had no knowledge of what we'd stepped into. He said, we'd literally stepped into the war zone of Chicago had no idea. Yep. Yeah, I had a, a night in Chicago when I was in Chicago. It was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done, to be honest. I was had a few drinks with some friends or whatever and then decided to kick on. And then I was walking down the street and there was this homeless guy and I stopped to talk to him and I gave him a little bit of money or whatever. Mm. Um, but he took me like for about four hours on a walking tour in the middle of the night around Chicago um, <laughs> as this homeless guy and could have mugged me or done whatever, I guess, but just generally tell me about, you know, you know the gang life, you know, um, you know how we got on the street, you know, how many homeless people in the city, just how there dangerous certain places were. Heaps of them in were. Chicago. Oh, so many. Like, it was, it was actually was scary, but intriguing and eye-opening mm. all at once. And 
It's not something I'd ever do again, but I was just young and naive. And See, the other thing we forget is 25% of all Americans have a gun, mm. at least one gun, yep. which means every four Americans you walk past in America, one of them has a gun. Yep. But the thing is, you don't know which one. Unless you're in Texas, a friend of mine, the same guy I was telling you yeah. about, actually, um, who went to the 21st birthday, he went to America and he said he was amazed in Texas. He said, you know, they have their guns and gun racks in the back of their big trucks and all the rest of it. And he said, one day we're sitting around with a group of people having a conversation. He said, no, I don't know how, it came around to guns. And he said, and all of a sudden people are pulling from all different parts of their body their gun putting it on the table he said my eyes nearly fell out of my head yep. I said did you ever have you ever had a gun he said no and he said I come he said they thought I was strange he said and I tried to explain to them well you know in Australia we don't routinely walk around with guns in our pocket but you might remember the University of uh, Texas in the 1960s yeah there was there was a gunman in the tower in the bell tower yeah and it was the people on the street who shot him Oh, really? Well, every Texan has a gun. Yeah. So when he started shooting at people, they started shooting, shooting back. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. wow. That's, that's actually insane. Well, yeah. they, they do call um, Chicago Chirac, though. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Which um, is a probably pretty... Yeah. I think well, there's yeah, more people that die in Chicago. Yeah, um, per something, yeah. Um, yeah and, and also, don't forget, Chicago's rife with corruption. Yeah. So its police force is perhaps not as effective as it could be. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we're going to move on to smartwatches. Now, the reason I want to move on to smartwatches um, is because I've got one. Now, I'm one of those guys that will go out and buy the, the newest thing because it looks cool and I want to try it. And initially, I was like... I'm so glad a- you can afford to do I'd love to do that. <laughs> I'd seriously love to afford to be able to be a trendy. Well, mate, you honestly, you, you have to start your own podcast then because you just re- you just rake yeah. in yeah, <laughs> you definitely the don't rate trend. It's the biggest trend right now is podcasting. <laughs> uh, no, this was actually a gift um, for my birthday. Um, so I've had it for a couple of years now, and I loved it to start with. I love that it tracks my steps. I do like that. I like being active, and I like seeing you know how much yeah. I've done. Um, but what I hate is that I could be doing something, and a message pops up, and it um, makes a noise if you let it make a noise, or it vibrates, and. When I've already mentioned that I can lose attention quite quickly, I could be in the middle of doing something important, then I'll get a shake of a message, and then I'll look down and I'll see the message, and then I'm trying to finish my job, but I'm, then I have to get my phone to look at my message. So I, I, I don't know how... Can I, I've got my hand up here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, of course. Can yeah. I ask a question? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Are you currently waiting for a new liver? <laughs> no. Are you currently waiting for a new lung? No. So what possibly could be so important that it can't wait? Exactly. You can't psychologically say to yourself, I'll look at that when I'm good and ready. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting better at it, but I just don't, I just, I'm not the sort of person that can get a message and not look at it because I feel like I'm being rude if I don't get back to someone if they contact me. So. Ah, you are every person's dream, but your own nightmare. Yes, facts. It's got nothing to do with being rude. It's got to do with, I'll get back to you when I fit into my schedule. Yeah. And don't forget, there might be somebody else. I mean, for example, you have numerous messages. Yep. One of them is from the wife. Well, the wife's message is automatically the most important. There is no questioning. Mm. So, whether you like it or not, I've got a message for you. We prioritise our messages. Yep. There is a possibility that you will not be the most important message on my phone. Yeah, yep. I wouldn't have a smartwatch anyway. Yeah, I'm not. 
I um. I got a phone, and that's it. Why would I want to? If I'm going to wear a wristwatch, it's just going to be a good old fashioned, Gunter Best repaired this, and it works now. Wristwatch, smartwatch. Why do I need one? I've got a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think my next watch is just going to be a normal watch. I don't think I like getting the messages anymore. I've actually got to the point where at training and at games, mm. I take it off. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have it Which on. Which means you're all. no longer measuring your steps and all that anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. I don't, yeah, I'd never really wear a watch. The only time I wear a watch is if I need to dress up nicely. I'll put on my nice $15 Rolex from Kmart. Yep. Um, but I think that's another reason why I'd, like, I would never have a smart watch because I just don't wear watches. Mm. But then I'd double down, like, the same thing as Chris. So why do I need a smart watch a smart when phone? I've got a phone, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I originally got the watch for training mm. so that I could track time and make sure we're, you know, in, at schedule. I like being on a schedule. I like making things work at the right time. Yeah, and, yeah well, that's right, because yeah. nature of what you do, that yeah. kind of makes sense. But the smartphone, I reckon... Is just enough. I mean, it took me ages to adopt to a touchscreen phone. Mm. Well, it took me ages to do that, but there was a very good reason. What? Yeah. I used one of the very first touchscreen systems yep. in broadcasting. Constantly broke. It was a testament <laughs> to stupidity. The system's name, I kid you not, was Ouija. Which was actually really appropriate because the bloody thing was possessed. <laughs> like the Ouija board. <laughs> oh, mate, it was shocking. You had to reinitialize it. And it really did. It had such a profound impact on me. I was going, I don't want to know about these damn touchscreens. And then eventually I had to say to myself, logically, this doesn't make any sense. The yep. technology's marched on. It's not going to be the same. Yeah. And of course it wasn't. But I remember every day, twice a day, actually more than twice a day, having to initialise the screen on this thing. It was one of those big old screens too. Yep. So you had to take the back off and then you had to go through this process of initialisation. It was good for about, I don't know, 45 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. Somebody posted a picture of it on social media and I said, take this abomination off my page. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably we're running close to, to our time, but I do want to talk about the NBL Cup just really yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so being sort of basketball people. Firstly, the NBL Cup itself. It's interesting, and I don't know if there's any other league in the world, and I could be wrong, but they're, they're having this cup season over three weeks, and it's integrated into the regular season as well. So whatever you do within this cup goes towards your final season standings, which will go to, obviously, playoff yeah. positioning, which um, I think is quite interesting that they're having this cup that's not a separate competition. So it's a competition within the competition. Yeah. So I don't know if there's any other league in the world that, that's doing something like that. Mm. Uh, a couple other weird things is, like, if you win a quarter, you get an extra point. Mm-hmm. Um, not towards your final score in the game, but Just, towards yeah. the, your points at the end of the, the cup season. Yeah. Um, so I think it's... I don't know if it's encouraging teams to to play. I, I don't know why any team at that level would need to play harder, but I, I don't understand the, the reasoning behind the extra point. There'll be some sort of incentive there. Might be maybe to separate them. So if they have the same record at well, the end, yeah, whoever won the most quarters, quarters, I guess. Mm. That kind of makes sense, to be that honest, now that I've thought that, about yeah. it. Um, you know more about this stuff than I would, but I, I, I think I've probably learned in sport it's about incentive. Because when you think about it, and you know this, any, any sport that requires athleticism, we're probably at peak. Mm. Right? In other words, with every, you know, we've done research about nutrition, everything else, all the different exercises people can do, and all the rest of it. We're probably at peak 
Mm. We're pretty close to it. So not only do we have to work on how do we make people just that little bit better, we're doing it in very, very small increments. And you'd probably know that sometimes the difference between the winning team and the losing team is not all that great, even though on the scoreboard it can appear to be quite significant. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think sports like basketball particularly, yeah. there's just days where, you know, you're not put, putting the ball in the hole. Like, you know, the other team is. You're playing just as hard. You're getting as many possessions. You're getting as many rebounds. You're, you know, you're not turning the ball over much and they just happen to shoot at a higher percentage. Um, mm, happens. You know, and they can, they can get away with the victory. And there's the amount of games that you look at your stat sheet at the end and you go, how the hell did we not win that game? with the way, you know, we played, the amount of shots, the rebounds, the turnovers, you know, possessions, you know. Could which, be in the position where you had more shots at goal than yeah. your opponents, but they got theirs far more often than you did. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, and you look at the way you play defence, they're hitting contested shots, so it's not like they're getting wide open ones, like things like that just happen in, in sport, I guess. But, mm. um, the other interesting thing I want to talk about basketball before we run out of time is, is because I'm a point guard, you're a point guard, Sam. Yeah is that when you have a player go to the basket, you pass them the ball and they get fouled, yep. and they go to the foul line. Now, my thinking is if they hit that foul shot, or even say two to make it difficult, because you get two points for a normal basket, yep. they should be getting the assist. So at the moment, you don't get the assist at all. So you've put that player up in a position to be successful and score, they get fouled. They've actually scored and put the ball in the hole. Why isn't that an assist then? Well, I'd never actually, I'd never thought about this until Saturday when we were watching and it happened. And you said it and I was like, yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, and it would be good, I think, just, it's always good when stats are boosted a little bit as well. Mm. You know, so you, the amount of times that would happen in a game, you know, you'd see your assist numbers rise. Significantly. Yeah, quite a lot, which would be good. Yeah, and I think with the NBA, they can take 15 steps and they still give them the assist or three dribbles or whatever crazy it is. Mm. So I think there's got to be a more, I guess, universal statistic-taking method in I think a sport like that because obviously, you know, you look at the NBL stats, shorter game, mm. you know, they a little harsher in the way that they analyse, particularly assists. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the NBA and dudes are getting triple-doubles all day, but are they really triple-doubles? Yeah, it's it's tough, but I think it would be good if you if someone if you pass the ball to someone they get fouled, and they make two free throws, you should definitely get an assist. At this point, I have to be honest and say you blokes might as well be talking Greek. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make that clear. It's wonderful. It's very interesting to listen to you. I've got a clue what you're talking about. Love it. If, if however you want to move on to golf, I'm quite happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think um, we might t- touch on golf next time. Uh, next time you come in, if you're, you're willing to come back on, I'm always willing to come back on. So, uh, thank you very much for. for you have to deal your with time. all the complaints and everything. I said he doesn't know what he's talking nah, about. No, nah, love any, it. Any publicity is good publicity. That's it. Make sure you share it with everyone. Let's get all those old radio heads <laughs> yeah. listening to opinions unqualified, and we'll uh, we'll see how we go. Um, we uh, yeah, we feel very privileged to have you here. So, thank you for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. You thank know that. You. Um, thanks for uh, sitting in the sweat box with us. We'll yeah. take a photo after. It'll be Which is really good. I've been contributing well to the sweat. Yeah. It's really, really good, that. I love that when people do stuff that's authentic. You yeah. know, you say, well, no, this hasn't been put on for the show. This is actually authentic. Yeah. If I move any closer to electrical equipment, there will be an event. Yeah. <laughs> and it won't be pleasant for me. Yeah. 
Um, just all our listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting Opinions Unqualified. Get on to our socials, Instagram, Facebook. We're not on Twitter. No, not Twitter. We're not on Twitter. Well, there I is wish... an account, but I don't use it. Yeah, we... <laughs> I don't know. I'll just... We'll talk about Twitter yeah. as a format at another stage. Well, the problem I had with Twitter is they limit you to 140 characters. Yeah. Now, can you imagine me only being able to say anything in 140 characters? <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Sam, take it easy. Sure.